Welcome to Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by Draeger. Draeger products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. I'm Hope BC Fire Chief Tom DeSorcy. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in today. I'm Grant Cameron, editor of Firefighting in Canada magazine. Today, I'm speaking with Mike Flanagan, the professor of wildland fire at the University of Alberta. Mike's a respected authority in the field of wildfires. He's a professor with the Department of Renewable Resources at the University of Alberta and director of the Canadian Partnership for Wildland Fire Science located at the university. So, Mike, uh, thanks so much for doing this podcast. It's uh, great to have you on today. Oh, the pleasure's all mine, Grant. Yeah, I appreciate this. And uh, so the the subject of uh, wildfires, uh, it's very timely as we're obviously approaching wildfire season. And uh, as you know, it was uh, an exceptionally busy year in 2018 for wildland firefighters, uh, especially in Ontario and B.C., uh, Effectively, BC had its worst year ever. So, uh, but maybe we could just kind of start there, and uh, maybe you could shed some light on like what the heck's going on. Is this just just due to climate change, or did we just have a, a bad year last year? Well, we did have a bad year last year, especially in BC. But it's probably important to understand how common fire is in Canada. So right now we burn about 2.5 million hectares a year, and that's about half the size of Nova Scotia, to put it in context. So a lot of area burns in Canada every year. Um, It changes dramatically from year to year, and I attribute this mostly to changes in weather from year to year. Now, this area burn number that I just quoted, you know, half the size of Nova Scotia, in the early 70s, it used to be about 1 million hectares or just over 1 million hectares. So it's our area burn has doubled since the 70s. And I attribute this to our changing fire weather and more specifically to climate change. Um, As we get warmer, we're seeing more and more fire. And the warmer it gets, the more fire we see. Now, the reason for this is, well, I'll back up a bit. Um, fire in Canada is really driven by the extremes. Okay. So, you know, I said we have about 7,000 fires a year, but only 3% get larger than 200 hectares. Okay, a hectare is about the size of a football field. So, but those 3% are responsible for 97% of the area burned. So a relatively small number of fires are big, and cause all the impact on the landscape. And this is not just common to Canada, Western United States. 1% of the fires burn, 99% of the area burned. And these typically happen during a relatively small number of extreme fire weather days. As you might tell, I'm very biased to fire weather being the critical factor in fire. Um, There are actually three ingredients for wildland fire. First, you need fuel, you know, so trees, shrubs, grass, needles, leaves on the forest floor, how much you have, how dry it is, these are all important characteristics of the fuel. Second, you need ignition. In Canada, it's either people or lightning. In Canada, it's about 60% are caused by people and 40% by lightning. 
but the lightning fires are responsible for 80 to 90 percent of the area burned. We can talk later about why that is. The third ingredient is weather. Hot, dry, windy weather is very conducive to fire. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be hot. As long as it's dry and windy, we can get a really good fire going. Uh, so you get all three ingredients, you get fire. But once the fire starts, it self-perpetuates. You don't need ignition anymore. The weather's dynamic and that's changing all the time, whereas the fuel is static. And the, probably one of the most important aspects of fuel is the fuel moisture, which is a function of the weather. And also one of the ignition agents, lightning, is also a function of the weather. So I see this as a weather-driven system. You'll find other people who believe otherwise, but you know, in my world, weather is a key factor here. You had mentioned that uh, I, I believe the jet stream, uh, normally it's like a, a vast river, but uh, it's getting more like a, like a lazy stream. And has this, this changing things? or? Yeah, it, it actually is. And so that jet stream really dictates where high-pressure systems go, where low-pressure systems go. Our, it dictates our day-to-day -day weather. And fire scientists have known for many decades that what we call a ridging situation, sometimes called a blocking situation, omega block, is very conducive to fire because it's a dome of warm, dry air that sits over a region and it dries out the fuels. It sits there for seven to 10 days or longer, so the fuels are all dry and receptive and, you know, it's very conducive to fire. Is this caused by like a like the lazy jet stream or more eddies and pools in the jet stream? Well, the jet stream is changing and it's becoming more stagnant. So we're getting more of these ridging blocking situations over a longer period of time and they're more intense. Like your listeners may have heard about the crazy weather in England and the UK in February with temperatures in, tw in the 20s. Celsius. They've never seen temperatures in 20, at 20 Celsius, and their records go back to 1650, over, you know, getting close to 400 years. And, you know, we saw temperatures in the territories recently above 20 degrees C in March, and they've never seen temperatures. So this is consistent with this crazy pattern. So we expect more ridging, longer lasting ridging with this lazy jet stream because it stalls and instead of being a, you know, a fast flowing river, it's a lazy river with eddies and whirlpools and just stagnates. And so where the ridges are, air is sinking and warming and drying. It's kind of like the opposite of your grade three water cycle where the lows and troughs are, air is rising, cooling, condensing, forming clouds and then rain. So if this pattern's locked, the drier areas get drier and the wet areas get wetter. So where the rain is, you get flooding, and where the ridges are, you get droughts and fire. Very interesting. Um, so all this causes like uh, the perfect conditions for wildfires, I gather, like hotter, drier conditions, more lightning strikes. So, yeah, especially over mountainous terrains like BC. And so the last two summers, uh, 2017, 2018, over 4% of the forested area of BC burned. And uh, But that means there's still 96% of the forest left to burn. Now, mountain pine beetle killed stands may be playing a role in the bad fire seasons in B.C. Uh, will we have a third bad fire season? Uh, I don't know. It really depends on the day-to-day -day weather. But there is some recent research that suggests that this ridging blocking pattern is anchored over the west coast of North America um, 
from California, and we've heard about the catastrophic, disastrous fires in California and, uh, you know, B.C., and so it may return again this summer. Um, it's quite possible because the way the ice is melting in the Arctic is anchoring that ridge along this, you know, this west coast of North America. But we don't know until the fire season's here and the actual data. If we get hot, dry, windy weather, if we get these blocking ridges again, yes, it could be bad. Though the ridge may be in Ontario this year. It could be in Manitoba. It, you know, it's a little early to say. It could be a colder, wetter year, too, uh, and be a quiet year. So, but overall, with a warmer climate, we expect more fire. And there's three reasons for this. First is the warmer it is, the longer our fire season is. I'm in Alberta. Our fire season officially used to start April 1st. Now it starts March 1st because most years our fire season is starting earlier. Not every year. Um, this year I expect we're off to a quick start because we've got temperatures you know, near and above 20 Celsius and um, the snow is gone or just about gone in many places to be ripe for, for fire. Yeah, so they're a month earlier uh, starting the fire season, I gather. Yep. And, uh, you know, this is the official start that the government of Alberta, who's responsible for fire management in the province, did a few years ago because of earlier fire seasons. So the second is the warmer it gets, the more lightning we have. And the yeah. more lightning we have, everything else being equal, the more fire we'll have. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, most of the area burns is due to lightning. That's because lightning does occur in areas where fires are not fought and they're just allowed to uh, to grow or they're monitored and uh, if they move towards the community then they're only action then um, also you know lightning caused fires are not detected as quickly as human caused fires they're often away from uh, populations and lightning fires can occur in clusters and we saw that in BC in 2017 where there was 200 lightning fire starts within 48 hours uh, and it overwhelms any fire management agency. You don't have 200 crews or 200 aircraft to attend to every fire. So you're overwhelmed and and some fires get to grow large because you don't, you cannot fight them. Yeah, just, just on that subject of lightning strikes, I, I've seen uh, studies, I, I think it was Natural Resources Canada, lightning strikes cause nearly half of all wild wildland fires in Canada and uh, so with the, the the weather change patterns, um, lightning's a big problem then, eh? It, it can be a big problem, yes. Um, and so work done suggests that for every degree warming, we get about 10 to 12% increase in lightning. So more lightning more means more fires. And the third reason, so we've got longer fire seasons, we've got more lightning, and it looks like we're going to get drier fuels. And so let me explain here. As the atmosphere warms, it's more efficient at sucking moisture out of the fuel. So it makes things drier, unless we get more precipitation to compensate for this drying effect. And models of the future, not perfect, but they suggest that we're going to warm, you know, a number of degrees, but we're not going to see much change in precipitation. And if this is true, it means our fuels will be drier. And dry fuels are really important because it determines, A, if a fire will start, B, if a fire will spread, and C, how intense that fire will be. Or fuel that's available because it's dry means it's more intense. And the more intense the fire is, 
the more difficult to impossible it is to put out for fire management. So these are all important considerations. So that's why, and you know, I've done work, colleagues, you know, in the United States and across Canada have done work showing that the warmer we get, the more fire we expect. Now, some people expect a doubling of area burned. We've already seen a doubling, another doubling. But other people suggest it may increase by four or five or six or seven times what we see now. Now, people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, you know, the forest will disappear if we get that much fire. And they're probably right. But what replaces the forest? Grass, shrubs. Grass can burn every year. So fire is not going to go away. As long as we've got those three ingredients, fuel, ignition, and weather, and we'll always have those, it seems, then we're always going to have fire, whether it's forest or no forest. The research is, is it generally showing that wildfire intensity has increased in recent years? And So this is an area of investigation. Anecdotally, you hear, you know, fire fires who've been you know, fighting fires for 30 or 40 years. I've never seen anything like this in their history. And, you know, and I tend to believe them. I haven't got the hard scientific evidence to back it up, and this is something that we're looking at. Um, we've done some work looking into the future using these models of the future weather, and they suggest that fires will get more intense. Whether they already have, what I hear from my firefighters, I just... You know, can't prove it scientifically yet, but we're looking into it to do the calculations. But I believe they're they're correct because things are getting drier, and we're seeing more extreme weather, so we're seeing more extreme fire behavior, higher intensities. Burning through the night, you know, like it used to be that night would come, the fire would die down, and then you'd just, you know, prepare for the next day. Now sometimes fires burn through through the night. In the Keno Mountain fire in Waterton is an example of that. It roared through the night. Um, now we, we've had fires in the past that burned through the night, um, but we're seeing it more and more frequently now um, because these are higher intensity fires that uh, burn hotter and uh, last longer. So last year was was really a terrible year for. For wildfires, I, I guess uh, the figures I've seen is more than 2.3 million hectares burned in Canada, and I, I guess that was well above the five-year average. But um, so that that's that's quite a significant increase, isn't it? Well, actually, last year was actually below average uh, mm-hmm. for 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 the country, but for BC it was a record-breaking year. So it was very close to average, you know. At, and it depends how long you average over. Some people use five years. I generally use a longer average over 10 years. And it's close to 2.5 million hectares right now as a 10-year running average. Um, so last year was a little bit below. But the last, we had a number of years in a row that were well above normal. Um, and 2016 was not, even though we had the Fort McMurray fire. And 2018 was not. Every other year was well above the 2.5 million um, from about 2013 on. Okay, so I guess it was specifically bad in BC, of course. I think they had their worst year, and Ontario had uh, a bad year as well. So Ontario had a bad year. Uh, BC was a record-breaking year, 2017 record, which was head and shoulders above the 1958 record year. So, and in fact, 2017 and 2018 burned more area than the previous 28 years in British Columbia. So it was really a, a stark uh, 
exceptional year compared to you know recent history. Was there anything different between uh, BC and Ontario? You talked about the jet stream changing and that sort of thing. Uh, was it in in BC? Was it building up those ridges that caused the wildfires and same in Ontario, or was was there something different going on? No, that's exactly what happened. BC was the classic ridge um, for most of the fire season, and Ontario also had a ridging and dry pattern for a very long time, and around Perry Sound in particular, it was well below normal precipitation, and then you had a, uh, a fire start near Perry Sound, and it burned for a number of weeks, and... Uh, what do you think uh, uh, firefighters, should they be prepared for some rough years ahead or any kind of gut feeling on what's going to happen? <laughs> Asking for a prediction. Well, yeah, and I'm more comfortable giving a longer-term prediction rather than this, this particular 2019 fire season. So in the future, there's going to be more fire. Okay, mm -hmm. And I expect it's going to be more intense fire, so it's going to be more challenging for firefighters. Not to say that every year is going to be a bad fire year. Some years will be cooler, some years will be wetter, and you know it's there's a lot of regional variation. Some years Quebec will have a bad fire year, other years it'll be British Columbia. Um, but overall, in Canada, we're going to see more fire with climate change. And you know the other side of this is more people are living and working in the forest. And so the impact from some of these fires will be at times catastrophic. And so the Fort McMurray fire, for example, if that fire started in Saskatchewan, you know, 100 kilometers to the east, it wouldn't have been a big thing but because it would have burned bush and maybe there would have been some smoke that reached Saskatoon or Regina and Winnipeg, et cetera. But that, that'd be about it, okay? But because it started just about seven kilometers outside of Fort McMurray and then spread through town, you know, it was the Canada's costliest national disaster in history. So, but as more and more people are on the landscape, you're going to see this intersection between fire and society. And so we're going to see more of these events as more and more development takes place in the forest. And uh, so you've got more fire on the landscape, and you got more people on the landscape, so they're going to bump into each other more frequently. The issue got a lot of attention last year because of the uh, the smoke as well, just kind of drifting over uh, populated areas, so it, it kind of got, got a lot more attention from that. The more we find out about it, the more we find out how bad it is for our health. And in, in some respects, smoke is moving the, the fire issue forward in that, you know, for years, fire was considered a, a rural, a bush issue because, hey, if you're downtown Toronto, your house, condo, apartment is not going to burn down from a wildland fire. But smoke can travel hundreds of kilometers and smoke you out. And if you have respiratory issues or there'll be air quality alerts, it can affect your life in a very negative fashion. And smoke can circle the globe. Like in Edmonton last summer, August, we had the worst air quality on the planet. And it was because of smoke from fires 500 to 1,000 kilometers away. So this is no longer just a rural issue. It's an urban issue. It's a Canadian issue. And uh, so 
we're going to see more smoke in the future too. So you know, we have to learn to live with fire. As much as we, we don't want to hear that, it's not going to go away. So we're going to have to to deal with it. Well, this has been really good stuff, Mike. Um, you know, fire chiefs and firefighters. Uh, it's it's great for them to understand what's going on and what's causing wildfires and that sort of thing. So uh, really appreciate you shedding some light on this subject. So um, yeah, I'm sure firefighters and fire chiefs are going to find this information really helpful and uh, useful. So um, yeah, so I, I appreciate your time and uh, it was great to have you on. Anytime, Greg. Thank you for joining Firefighting in Canada, the podcast brought to you by Draeger. Draeger products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. Visit firefightingincanada.com and click on Hot Topics for more episodes.